2: Welcome into the CHGO Blackhawks podcast presented by PointsBet. Use promo code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. But with that $50 or more first-time deposit, you're also gonna get that free CHGO membership, that free CHGO t-shirt, access to our Discord, access to our uh, online written content, all that great stuff. So make sure you jump on that offer. PointsBet, use that promo code CHGO when you sign up. Happy Friday, everybody. Happy payday to half of you. Right? That's probably about right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah,
2: give or take. Yeah. I'm Jay Zawoski with Greg Boyson and Mario Tiribasi. Uh Today, we're going to have a bit of a fun, like, instead of Throwback Thursday, because yesterday we talked to Chris Fosters. Today, we're going to do Flashback Friday. We're just going to change the name a little bit <laughs> and do basically what we were planning on doing on yesterday's show in honor of Tony Amante's 52nd birthday, which happened earlier this week. We're going to talk about some of the great Blackhawks of the '90s. Some of you may not have been born. Some of you <laughs> may have very, very wisely chosen to tune out for the second half of that decade because there wasn't a ton to watch. Um, but we've got a lot of a lot of good names from the past and some guys that maybe time has forgotten that maybe shouldn't be as forgotten. And I know, Greg, these uh, throwbacks, these history things are are your baby uh for the most part so and congratulations what a what a cutie what a what an adorable baby it is um so i'll let you do the honors here to start us off
1: we're gonna have to get the paternity tests out (laughs) because it's that cute it's probably not mine um yeah no the 90s was a was a weird decade for blackhawks hockey i mean it started off really well uh look they had a, a trip to the stanley cup final in 1992 under mike keenan uh, and then Mario Lemieux and a very young Yarmer Yager said enough of this nonsense and beat their ass in four straight <laughs> games. Um, men against boys after they blew that for game one lead. And um, then Mike Keenan said, I'm out of here. You know, he wanted to be GM and that didn't work out. Then we had Daryl Sutter. Yes, that Daryl Sutter was uh, the head coach for three seasons. And then that didn't work out so well. But he had three straight playoff appearances then it was the craig hartsburg era who remembers craig hartsburg
2: yeah uh, the, he had he, he was paul maurice Haw- before paul maurice they kind of looked there the same go. a little bit yeah <laughs> um and uh hartsburg
1: got the hawks to the playoffs two straight times and then uh the 97 98 season is where it all started the fall apart. um from 1990, after their appearance in the playoffs in 1997, they only made it to the playoffs one time until 2008. Um, So the lean time. So you went from being Stanley Cup finalist to a team going nowhere in the span of a decade. And it's it's a little different than what we're seeing now because Uh as we'll get into, I'm sure here this episode, now the Hawks are rebuilding. They're tearing it down on purpose with an idea a Plan to get better to become a perennial contender whereas the Hawks of the 90s They just started trading away all their best players because bill words didn't want to pay them. plain and simple There was no plan. Let's trade Jeremy Roenick for Andre uh, Alex Zamnoff. Let's trade Ed Belfour for pretty much nothing. Let's trade Chris Chelios for pretty much nothing um, You know the, the list goes on and on it was frustrating. It wasn't We're tearing, we're getting rid of our high priced veterans so we can restock the cabinet and become a contending team again. Um, it was, I don't want to pay our top stars, so we're going to go cheap and hopefully we'll just get eliminated from the playoffs every year. And they didn't even make the playoffs for half those seasons. So
2: totally different
1: than what we're seeing right now. Just preface that.
2: Yeah. So if this was, if this was the 90s, what would have happened is the Hawks would have traded Alex to Brinkett and then signed, um, uh, Patrick Marlowe. <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> like like some some old like name that might sell some tickets but really has nothing left in the tank. Maybe yeah, Joe man. Thornton would be a would would totally be a Blackhawk signing at this point. Yeah. Hey, look at it. We're bringing in a bunch of multi-time all stars. Yeah, they're they're 40 uh, and they don't have much <laughs> left. But this was the story with uh Doug Gilmore, who actually wasn't terrible when he was brought in. Um, but it goes on and on. They've they've done this throughout their history where they try to You know, you get rid of Ronick, you get rid of Chelios, and then you got to kind of, how are we going to keep people happy? They were terrible at that. Just terrible at it. And uh, like you said, Greg, there was no direction to any of this. It was just, oh, Chelios wants too much money. Uh, We feel like his career is over anyway. Then they trade him to Detroit, where he ends up playing more. He played in Detroit longer than he played in Chicago. How about that? It's crazy. And and you got from being washed up, and again, nothing to show for any of it. That's you could could argue that what the
1: the Blackhawks turned out to be in the 90s is what we're seeing with the Cubs right now, where they just don't want to pay their top guys and they're going to say, Hey, we're trying to be younger and, and be competitive, but you really don't see it, you know, especially when you. Like, the Cubs right now don't have a plan, especially when you all you hear for weeks is we're, they're going to trade Ian Happ and Wilson Contreras, and then they don't do either of those things. So it's like they're kind of stuck in the middle. They've put themselves there, and that's kind of what the Hawks did in the 90s. I would compare it to what we're seeing with the Cubs now more than what we're seeing with the Blackhawks now because, as we've mentioned many times, the Blackhawks have a plan. Whether they succeed in that plan, that's what we're here for for the next how many years it's going to take but at least there's a plan in action there was no plan except to save bill wert's money that was the plan in the 90s
2: yeah and your cubs comparison works because back then there was no salary cap the hawks could have spent as much money as they wanted to they could have kept all the players they wanted to and brought in more and even when they were contending for stanley cups i mentioned this a couple of weeks ago very similar to the white Sox where they've got a good team that if they got lucky and caught fire, you could maybe see them winning a championship, but they refuse to pay that extra player or two yeah. that's gonna absolutely put them over the top and make them favorites. And and the comparison to both to both franchises is correct because and that's the frustrating thing is you've got this team in the early nineties, even like up to ninety six, you're like, this team, they're they're good. Like it was a pretty solid Hawks team that just needed an extra piece or two. Right, that go trade for somebody, go sign a big free agent, and they never ever did it. That's why you know, at the beginning of the dynasty, the Brian Campbell and Marion Hosta things were such a shock for Hawks fans because that never happened, they never yeah. went out and overpaid for anybody or went and won the top free agent. So, that all that shock for, at the beginning of the dynasty came from years and years and years of them never doing that, and that's why Rocky Wirtz was all of a sudden. Like, oh my God, he's running a team like an owner should be running a team. He's a genius. Let's let's carry him out of the United Center, right? Like he put games on TV and he paid good players. It's really not that complicated. What Rocky did, honestly.
0: Simple, uh, simple, simple planning there.
1: Yeah, right. Just like we said with the Coyotes yesterday uh, or on Wednesday's show. Um, hey, everybody loves a winner. It, you know, it's not that hard to figure out how to win hockey games. Go get good players. Um, pay your players. It's it's it. Have a stadium
0: like the, a stadium with more than five thousand people yeah. capacity. That would help. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean,
1: for for some of these years that we're going to talk about, the Hawks would have had trouble filling that Arizona State uh, sure That's facility. actually and rightfully that's true. so. That's true. And rightfully mm. so, those early two thousand teams were not worth paying money for. So yeah, it was. <laughs> That was pretty good summation, Jay, about the 90s, where it was like it, Bill Wirtz was happy with getting that one playoff round, the gates from one playoff round, selling those extra tickets, those extra two or three games at double the price, was all he was worried about. And hey, if they got to the second or third round, that's even more bonus money. But the Stanley Cup was never the goal with those Bill Wirtz teams. They never wanted to do that like that wasn't I mean they could say it all they wanted but as you mentioned it was never shown it wasn't they didn't they never went out and got that final piece they were just like well it kind of sounded like Rick Hahn the other day we believe in the guys in the room and if they just all start playing the best they've ever played maybe just maybe we might do something
2: <laughs> if only yeah I mean and look the the weapons were there early on you know it's it, Ronick and Chelios and and Ronick and Amani were together those guys were Really good friends for a long time. Um, There there were good pieces to those teams, but again, just didn't have enough to overcome the Colorados and the Pittsburghs and those teams that really were stacked and really did. Like, look at the Colorado Avalanche. Their first year in existence, they go and get Patrick Waugh, who wants out of Montreal, and they go make it happen. And then he immediately, their first year in Colorado, they win the cup because they say, F it, we're going for it. Like, we've already got the good graces of Colorado. We can just make a nice playoff run and and rest in our laurels there because you've got, you know, built-in credibility and built-in interests as you're a team that just moved into a town that's ready for hockey. But, no, they said, screw it, let's go win the cup the first year. And they did what they needed to do to win it, and the Hawks were left in the wake of that. Like, that, how many times did the Hawks and Avalanche face off in the playoffs and the Hawks lose, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. So –
0: yeah well, yeah I, I, i'm I'm giving you guys the 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 majority of the reins here on on this one because i I, I jumped into the uh, the Blackhawks at the end of the 90s <clears throat> I jumped into hockey at the end of the 90s yeah I mean it was it, it, it wasn't the most um calculated choice I would say I was you know uh I, I was nine years old and and just kind of eight nine years old getting into the uh you know getting into into the sport and um, you know, Wisconsin's, I grew up in Kenosha, Wisconsin didn't have a team, uh, in the NHL. So the next, uh, next closest thing was Chicago. And, um, it's, I, I know this is only our, uh, our podcast only, uh, episode of the week. There's no visual element to it, but, uh, I'll, I'll show you guys here. Well, I'll put it out on Twitter here. Once the, uh, podcast is posted, I'm going to show you guys some pictures here. This is uh, this is a nine year old Mario on his uh, on his birthday, getting his first Blackhawks oh, jersey. Nice. How about that? Yeah. <laughs>
2: the all black Where's the beard? It no. is
0: the all black one. Yeah, the beard the beard didn't show up for uh, n- n- another ten years here, but uh, that, was,
1: that was in the next box.
0: Yeah, yeah. As you can as you can see here by the faces of my uh, friends and family. Uh, none too thrilled about the uh, the Blackhawks jersey, so it kind of uh, gives you the idea of where the team was at that time. What is
2: that? I've never seen that before.
0: Yeah, and uh, here I am again with the uh, jersey on, birthday cake, nice. number nine. And uh, just so happens, the,
2: old, the jersey? Uh, oh. old jersey. Oh, put it
0: on. There it is. Oh, boy. <laughs> All right. That's i'll uh awesome. I'll, I'll put it i'll put it on take a picture of it it'll it'll be uh, nice and embarrassing oh no, so. that's okay. awesome
1: that's all right if there's anyone in this group that could fit into something that they wore at, at nine years old it's you <laughs> <You're> <laughs>
2: Jay.
1: That's it, ain't, sure. yeah. it ain't me
0: that's uh sure. well we'll have to test that theory yeah but but yeah i mean you know getting into the it, it, getting into the blackhawks at that time it was you know it, it wasn't like for me it, i i wasn't the ability to to follow the team like you have now with technology the way it is and um, games being on TV, uh, it's it makes makes a difference. Um, you know, when when you're a kid, you're, you're you know you you especially at that point, you were just kind of like watching Sports Center and in, in its heyday, and you were you know, you were trying to, you know, see, watch them as, as much as possible whenever they were on TV, which, you know, wasn't uh, as often as some of the other teams, some of the other sports, but, you know, it, it was kind of like following a box score, getting to, you know, see the names and then you would kind of put two and two together. And, um, I know we've talked about it a, a number of times, but, um, one thing that, that helped me at that age with, uh, especially with hockey, um, was was the video game series and and mm-hmm. I would all you know playing as the Blackhawks playing uh, you know playing that game a, a lot you know NHL 2000 2001 2002 like those were the first ones that I really got into as I got older I understood more of the NHL 94 and started to play that a little bit as well so I will I will give that game its respect it wasn't what was uh, my first introduction but I did get into it later but um, yeah it was just it, you know it was it was it was an era where you kind of just for me at least it wasn't like oh they're they're not winning. they're losing I, ownership, all this stuff. like I, I had no idea. It was just kind of just like, oh cool. like you know Tony Amani, Eric Daze, like these are names that are, like I'm getting used to seeing um, and 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 connecting to. In that way, so it's just uh, it's 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 fun to kind of look back and and as years have gone on, I've I've gone back and watched you know the 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 older footage and, and seen you know the Ronick and uh, Chelios highlights of the '90s and whatnot and and tried to kind of relive that
2: uh, in a from from a future sense. It's funny you mentioned your first Hawks jersey. My first Hawks jersey came uh, in 1987, uh, in the fall of '87. My uncle gave me an authentic Eddie Olchek Hawks jersey. And I Ooh. was just blown away. Like, this is the greatest gift you can bestow on a person. Um, I was so excited. And then as a kid, I was uh, I was nine years old at the time. And uh, that's when I found out that a week earlier, the Hawks had traded Uh, Eddie Olchek to the Maple (laughs) Leafs, and that's why I got an Eddie Olchek jersey from my uncle. He also, down the road, uh, did give me an authentic Chris Chelios jersey that was signed and personalized, so um, oh, that's pretty cool yeah th- like but four days after
1: and four days before he was, <laughs> to be sure. no, he, was, he was actually still
2: on the team this time but hey man my uncle john has always been there for my sports needs he's always been like my sports sherpa uh of all my uncles but and you got uh, to
1: you got to eventually rock that old check jersey because you know in a predecessor to he who shall up be name he did return to the yes, Hawks. so you're able to be that's like true. i'm the only guy that's got one of these
2: yeah um, exactly and it had the gunzo's patch on it it was it was really cool nice yeah, I just, um,
1: I it. Mario. You mentioned, and this was huge for me too, because you know, '90s. I was, you know, uh, junior high age, high school, beginning of college. That was that was the '90s for me. My teens, NHL '94, and video games in general was huge mm-hmm. for hockey fans and huge for for young younger fans to become fans or at least learn about other teams. Like you didn't have access to every single game that you do now. You, I could watch any NHL game I want from my phone on my on my toilet anytime I want. Like I can I can <laughs> I can find out anything about any player literally just 3 seconds on my my cell phone, which wasn't yeah. even a thing in the 90s. So how did you learn about other teams, other players? You bought hockey cards and you played the EA Sports NHL game every year and you played as other teams and you found out like hey this guy's really good. I'm going to like him. I'm going to, or I'm going to trade for him on the Blackhawks here. And, and <laughs> you know, that's how you learn. There was no fantasy hockey. There was no, you know, there was no, there was, I don't even know. Well, Sports center was a thing, but it wasn't the iconic thing that it was. You got, you know, maybe one national game a week where you saw other teams. And the only, you got to see, even see hockey on TVs when the Blackhawks were on the road and half right. of those games started at nine o'clock because they were in the Western Conference so right right the EA sports NHL franchise was so key to being a hockey fan in the 90s especially Absolutely. for a younger a younger fan the,
2: it was um, integral it was for so me. important it was yeah, integral for me and, and when you look at like the most popular the league has been in recent history, that's when it was because you had everybody was playing that game on their Genesis or their Super Nintendo or whatever. And like you said, like, that's how I had to learn players. Like, I wasn't allowed to just take over the household TV and watch Hawks all the time. I would listen on the radio. And I remember, like, I was always looking for fast guys. I wanted to have the fastest team because I figured that was the way. So Pavel Bure was on the Canucks in that game. And I didn't know how to say his name. I called him Pavel Bure because <laughs> it looks like pure. What pure B U R E so I called him that forever and then finally you know learned like oh it's Bure okay cool like let me learn all about this guy and then like you said Greg hockey cards and and that's then you learn about him and Alex McGilney on the same line and then you learn about other great lines and great players on the league and it was it was great like it was just it was such a great way to learn about not only learn about the league but learn who was good and who wasn't because it in those days it was much less um, the way video game players are designed was much less specific then it was like yeah. speed hit scoring and mm-hmm. defense, right like whatever. Yeah. Now it's 15 categories so there's a little bit of nuance in everybody. back then it was either you good or you suck. It was like the same <laughs> thing with Tech Mobile. You were either Bo Jackson or you weren't right Yeah um, and and it, I think I think that game really did a great a great service to the league. And getting people interested in the game, learning the rules, learning what offsides was, mm-hmm. um, learning what icing was, all those sort of things. Two-line pass. Yeah, and I still play <laughs> the NHL pass. games like the day they come out. I play them all year. Um, but it's just it just hasn't been the same because I just think they don't have the budget that's required to really do a ton to improve the game. Um, and I think now too, like game companies are so in so interested in those microtransactions yeah. of like <coughs> yep, buying yep. cards and upgrading yeah, your team. And it's it's turned all,
1: into an online thing and it's kind of, that's turned me off from the whole all
0: thing. To be all the with you. all the sports games, the, the the modes that get the most attention are those like the the ultimate team stuff. Yep. Where it's, you know, pay per pack, pay to be good, all that stuff. It's terrible. Yeah. It's terrible.
1: Yeah, and that doesn't appeal to me. I don't I don't want to buy a game for sixty bucks and then get my ass kicked by an eight year old in Manitoba. (laughs) Like that's not fun to me. You got you got my sixty bucks. I don't want
0: to I don't want to shovel another sixty to be competitive in one specific game mode. Like no I I I wanna need an Yeah. I I want to play franchise franchise in Hamilton uh,
1: Yep, that's all I want to do. I want to build my own team. I don't want an yeah. I don't want an infant in Hamilton, Ontario, beating me by 14 goals. You know, you that's suck. not fun to me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so I. You know, I remember the first time I got, I upgraded from a a Sega Genesis to a PlayStation, the first PlayStation. And the first game I got was the NHL game. And to have like play by play announcers like saying the guys' names, that was so cool. Like, I was Mm -hmm. like, this is the greatest thing ever. I'm playing a
2: live game. I think 90, was it 98 the first year that really had like the TV feel to it? Yeah, they changed the broadcast field. Like, like it had ice graphics went... and and like camera yeah, and, angles and, and, and yeah. The
1: ice went from being blue to actually like white, like <laughs> white, it is. Yeah, on, on, yeah. I mean, it was it was so cool. Like th- those things stick in my mind. Like and the, and the one gear recently in the last six or seven years when NHL put the uh, you could play in NHL '94 mode. Where it made the it look the like anniversary mode, yeah. yeah, that was so cool. I played so much that fun. all the time. Yeah, yeah, it was just it was just reliving, you know, the the glory days. Those those Sega NHL '94, '95, they were so cool. I mean, that that was that was how I learned to be a better hockey fan. It was 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 doing that
2: and and you know trying to make Wayne Gretzky's head bleed like they did <laughs> in uh, swingers. <laughs> It's a great scene. All right, before we get we, gotta, we got we've got got a big a big aside here we've taken, so we got to get back to <laughs> the 90s. Uh, but 90s reminder, video games. Got to tell you that the best way to support us here at CHGO, download that PointsBet app, and when you do, use the promo code CHGO when you sign up. You're going to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000 when you do that, but if you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you're also going to get that free CHGO membership which unlocks all of our great web content at allchgo.com. And you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO Locker. That's two grand in free bets, a free CHGO membership and t-shirt, all that for making a $50 or more first-time deposit at PointsBet. If you have any questions or issues with the sign-up process, do not fret. We can help you out very quickly. Send us an email, pointsbet at allchgo.com and we'll get you squared away. It's your home for live in-play betting and it just got even better. Watch the games and bet along with them live. Those in-game bets are so fun. More live betting, more live markets, and faster live cash outs. Download the PointsBet app right now and use that promo code CHGO. What are you waiting for? It's time to elevate your live betting game. Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life with PointsBet, and if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, Call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services.
1: You know, I'm not 100% sure our buddies over at FOCO have NHL video games for sale, but they pretty much got everything else you could possibly want to celebrate your Chicago sports fandom. CHGO has teamed up with FOCO to secure your access to to all the best collectibles and gear around, whether it's the Blackhawks, the Bears, the Cubs, the White Sox, or the Bulls. FOCO will have something for you, your kid, a friend, or a loved one, whoever is on your shopping list. If they're a sports fan of a Chicago team, FOCO has got you covered. You can get some new gear, collectibles, accessories. FOCO has officially licensed gear for men, women, and kids, everything from bobbleheads to swimsuits to Crocs. They literally have it all probably not NHL 94, but you never know. hit that search bar. maybe you can come up with the last copy known to man. Uh, so f- that's right head over to Foco that's foco.com to get yourself the best Chicago merchandise of your favorite team and an additional perk for our CHGO listeners. Use the promo code CHGO checkout for 10% off all non-presale items. That's promo code CHGO for 10% off over at Foco.com. Check them out.
2: All right. So as we uh, discussed the, the 90s Blackhawks, um, I think there's one game, one name that's sort of synonymous with that. And that's Alexei Jamnov, who was um, traded for Jeremy Ronick as everyone knows, everybody remembers. Um, and it's a guy who never really got much of a fair shake here in Chicago um, fans and rightfully so. I mean, Roenick, I think, was the biggest fan fra- favorite of all those guys. He was also the first to leave of Roenick, Belfour and Chelios. Uh, so that was kind of like the first stab wound. And it happened over the offseason. It wasn't like an in-season trade. Um, so there was that whole offseason building. Is, is he going to be back? Is he going to be back? Is he going to be back? No, He's traded. Um, so Alexei Jamnov comes back to the Hawks, and I've always kind of been like a fan of his. I didn't realize in 220 games with the Hawks, he had 172 points and was a plus 24 in an era of sucky hockey. Like he was actually pretty good, .78 points per game, which is, which is really solid. When you look at like the list of guys, you've got Roenick, 1.2, Bernie Nichols, 1.04, Larmer, a point per game on the dot. Uh, Amani, .86, Joe Murphy, .85, Doug Wilson, .78, same with Alex Jamnov, .78, so he was a he was a good player that yeah. just was what the Hawks should have done is kept Jeremy Roenick and then traded for Alexei Jamnov, yeah. and then you've got a really solid one-two punch down the middle, and you could start talking about winning Stanley Cups, but instead... That's like tw- trading Jonathan Taze for Antoine Vermette instead of bringing in Antoine Vermette. You want to have yeah. both of them, not just one you know. of
1: them. Right, right. Yeah, you traded away Ronick, who was the heart and soul of that team. He was the greedy guy. He could do it all. He could score. He can set up guys. You know, he was your prototypical 90s centerman. He had 232 goals and 280 assists. So he was a score or pass option. The, amaz- the most amazing stat about Ronick in the 90s with the Blackhawks he sh- had a shooting percentage of eighteen point nine percent. That blows my mind. Like that's not just one season. That was his entire. So basically, every f- he scored a goal every fifth shot he took. That's insane. That's crazy for the in- for the in- for over four hundred and twenty games. That's crazy. But, so you traded. A Guy that could be a playmaker or a finisher in Ronik for Alexei Jamnoff who was basically a playmaker That's what he was he was he was he, he was the guy that liked to set up his teams or his teammates, you know, he only had 61 goals, but he had 111 assists now. Can you imagine what? Uh, Zamnov could have done had he actually had like some real scoring threats to competent play yeah, goal yeah. scorers yeah yeah I mean yeah you had Tony Amante on that team but you know that was one guy like yeah, Jamnoff one. needed 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 like Jamnoff would have been an amazing center on like the 2010-2013 Blackhawks where you can put a, a, an array of guys around him and he would make them better so you you didn't you, you put off here in a position to fail. And he didn't fail by any means. But you traded him for the most popular guy of that generation. And then he was the complete exact opposite type of player as Roenick. So you really set him up to never win over the fan base here. And mm-hmm. he, got a, he got a bum rap. And it wasn't his fault.
0: Sounds a lot like the situation Seth Jones is in. A little people bit. Are, people are upset for the way that he got here. And have, he's gotten a bum rap for it.
2: Except it was... Adam freaking Boquist, not Jeremy right. Wild, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. not, not exactly <laughs> the same, but close. <laughs> it's just crazy. The Jones thing is so funny because you got a player that was monumentally better than the player you gave up for him. Right. And yes, you gave up too much to get him. We've been through this a thousand times, but people are just mad. They just want to be mad. It's yeah. fine. It's fine. Um, I also think like Tony Amani was the inspiration for this, and I it sucks that an entire generation of fans who just opted to, to bail on the Hawks during this time, as they should have, they sucked, um, <laughs> missed out on Tony Amani. He was absolutely yeah. electrifying, man. A super fast skater, great hands, sniper, uh, all-star game MVP, I believe. I oh, no, Daze won Daze. the all-star game that was, MVP. That was Daze. Yeah, yeah. Tony Amani was a huge part of that, um, of the World Cup of Hockey gold medal mm-hmm. that Team USA mm-hmm. won. He had, the, like, Amani was kind of like the replacement for Ronick He had, like... The really long hair he scored a goal and did the DX suck it at one point uh, <laughs> during a game like he Tony Imani was awesome he was a great hockey player uh, and it was really him Jamnov and that was it uh, you know later on you know like the Tyler Arnesons and Kyle Calder and Mark Bell type showed up but it, those two guys Steve Sullivan also had a pretty good run for a while in Chicago but it was those two guys basically doing it all and and you know I think if you ask Tony Imani he would admit that Alexei Zhamnov made him a ton of money. Like, a like well, sure. Zhamnov was an excellent playmaker and could set things up really, really well and was happy to. He was not a guy. He was really quiet, really soft-spoken, just not a... He was, again, the opposite of Jeremy Roenick in every single way <laughs> Um, and just was a very happy facilitator. And Tony Imani was the recipient of a lot of those sweet assist from Alexei Jamnov, mm-hmm. But I remember, too, like, Jamnov was real smooth. You know, uh, he, he, that move that I think, who gets credit for it, where it's the breakaway where you pull it the backhand and tuck it behind the goalie? Forsberg. Forsberg gets credit for that. The first yeah. guy I saw do it was Jamnov, and he did it a couple mm-hmm. times on penalty shots. And, like, he doesn't even move his feet. He's just as really silky smooth as his hands. And I think, was it Bob Pulford that called him Magic Johnson on skates? Which is probably not the greatest thing to say when you're <laughs> you're overselling <laughs> the guy who's coming into town. But anyway, yeah, yeah. just him and Amani were like kind of the reasons to watch, and yeah. there was probably seventy five percent of the fan base had no interest in giving Alexei chamberlain any credit at any time.
0: Yeah, it's 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 unfortunate to to have like those kinds of talents just on un, on un, under and unappreciated because. Yeah, I mean, you, you especially in an era where you know there was a lot of <laughs> there was a lot to miss. Um, the things that you do miss are are some pretty quality players. Uh, you mentioned Mark Bell. Happy birthday to Mark Bell today.
2: Oh man!
0: Um, yeah, but How old is
2: not murder? I don't want to know. Not
0: necessarily. <laughs> uh, well, he's younger than Tony Amani, who whose birthday was earlier uh, earlier this week. But um, yeah, it's just it's it's just a shame that you know not only you know those those players, um, but just kind of just the generation of fans that was, that was lost, uh, during that time at the, at the end of the nineties and into the two thousands. And, you know, it's, 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 it's rare that you find someone who, um, you know, who, who was as super diehard and, and, and stuck through that entire time. Um, a lot, a lot of people never came back. A lot of people did come back in the 2010s, um, but yeah, it's just it's just crazy to think in the modern era of sports that a team could completely uh, ba- just you know have a have a portion of their fan base um, just completely detach from them, and, and it's just it's it's just a shame for some of those uh, some of those all star players that just never got appreciated as uh, as much as
2: they should have been in Chicago. Yeah, you know what's funny is when the dynasty started. A, a good a good indicator of how how bad the nineties and two thousands were, the late nineties, early two thousands, is you'd be at a Hawks game and the jerseys you would see were Chelios, Ronick, Belfour, you know, that was it. And, you know, Bobby Hall, Stamakita, all the greats. Savard, yeah. Savard, yeah. There was never like that influx of those, there was not a lot of Tony Amani jerseys or Daze jerseys or Tebow jerseys or the, I had all of those, by the way, because um, I'm a nerd. Um, <laughs> uh, it, it went from those guys to Taves and Kane and mm-hmm. Hosa and Sharp. There was like very little of that generation between represented in jerseys at the game. Like, like twenty twenty year gap. I, I was at the uh, Sox game the other day and the kid in front of me had a Martin Havlatch jersey. <laughs> I'm like, all right, like, there's an early adopter, right? Like, that's yeah. a guy who jumped on pretty early in, in the run. But yeah, right like, yeah. you never saw Amani never or, like, see... Gary Suter jerseys, like, just didn't yeah. exist, <laughs> you know?
1: Well, again, I also think it was kind of a different era, too, because, like, there wasn't NHL.com. You could put any name or number on your jersey. You know, you'd have to. to like, you had to go had to the store. You had to. You had to go to the store, and they only yeah. had. They didn't have every player. They only had their top marketable guys. So it was a little bit of a different market. But you're right. Like after that early mid '90s, there wasn't like you never see. Maybe I'm going to get a Tyler Arneson jersey for my next jersey. Be the only nice. guy that has a, a number thirty-nine. You're in the, not the uh,
2: only one, in, buddy. <laughs> no. I, we, me and my wife took a trip before she was my wife. We took a trip to Boston, uh, to see the Hawks play. And I bought her an authentic Arneson Jersey for the trip. I had it <sighs> shipped to the hotel oh. and I asked them to put it in our room before we got there. So wow. it, was, it was hanging in the closet in the Boston hotel. That's romance uh, that right was, there. Was that a or, rope, or,
1: that's why she went from being your girlfriend to yeah. being your wife. Yeah. Right there. Now and again, now and again, I get yeah. a good idea, and I. That's uh, when she knew she was she better learn how to spell
2: Zawaski. Yeah, it was that. Jay, Tyler you might be the
0: you might be <laughs> the only person in the world that has tried tried to to swoon someone with a Tyler
2: Arneson jersey. Dude, it's how we started. <laughs> dating <laughs> it is. worked my my it friend works. jill Fantastic. my friend jill who's finally getting married uh next month just said hey my friend hope loves the hawks too like you are going to games alone you two should meet you guys should hang out and we met at her graduation party and from then on we started just going to games together and that's how that's how we fell in love and got married <laughs> that's truly the story that's awesome that's like that that was always part of our relationship was the hawks they were always front and center even yeah. in those lean years it was we had our Lewis University student IDs. You can get tickets for eight bucks. Yep. We we were basically season ticket holders. It's like it's cheaper <laughs> than going to the movies. Let's go. Yeah, I used
1: right. I used my Columbia College expired ID <clears throat> that I got from taking a summer course there <laughs> uh, <laughs> it, it, until I was like twenty four years old to get in on a college student. Like it had been expired for seven years, they don't and they care. were still selling me just the eight dollar. They were just happy in. to have a butt in the seat.
2: Like, yeah. Yeah. Yep. I'm, yeah, I'm just looking pretty, at this list here of players from the 90s, and you've got your Ronick Nichols, Larmer, Imani, Murphy, Wilson, Jamnov, Gilmore. The drop-off is pretty big. Grades. The drop-off is big. <laughs> um, so I'm looking at Anders Eriksson who <laughs> was the guy the Hawks <laughs> got for Chris Chelios. Oh, what am I looking at? I'm looking at points per game. I was going to say he's right there in points. No, he's not. Um, <laughs> he was bad. I think he had points eight points. per game. What? Uh, you, I'm going to challenge you, Mario. I don't think you're going to know this name, and very few ooh, of you will. Ooh. Good old number 38, James Black. Ooh, <laughs> yes. nah. Anyone remember James no, Black? No memories no. of that, nope. <laughs> Gee, I remember
1: James Black.
2: <laughs> yeah, th- uh, 44 points in 129 games. A guy like a total scrap heap kind of a guy. They were decent at finding guys like this who could come in and like be okay for, like, you know, like, yeah. oh, look, this guy scored, like, 15 goals for us, and he's never going to score more, but we can sell it maybe as maybe he's going to. Uh, <laughs> he was one of those guys. And and Steve Pops, who we've talked about a lot, literally uh, sends the Hawks his resume, and they say, okay, cool, here's a contract. <laughs> yeah. like, man, they, they had a lot of that kind it's of crazy. stuff. Like, he, he seriously was sending his resume to hockey teams, and the Hawks signed him, and he became one of their top four defensemen. Hey, I mean... Something like uh, how
1: Pat Foley got the gig. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: Left the left the tape in the car. Yeah, I mean it's it was it's a different era. There's not the uh you know the 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 story of um I don't know if you guys have seen the the thirty for thirty documentary Big Shot, but the story of how the the Islanders were almost sold to um Oh a guy, I can't think the guy I can't remember the guy's name. John Spano. No relation to uh our our All City <laughs> Network CEO, but uh how he almost bought the Islanders and he had like no money, <laughs> like he he presented himself, you know, presented himself as a billionaire, and he really had like maybe five hundred thousand dollars to his name and like a failed business. It's just a different era, you know, of the 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 research and the background. So yeah, just just sending around, you know, your a, a faxing around a paper resume and you know maybe a, a VHS a copy of your VHS highlights might you know it was it was a way of getting in the door. So. Hey, it, it, and it got you to get a, a Steve Pops jersey.
2: It did. I ended up selling <laughs> that jersey for lives. exactly what I paid for, <laughs> yeah. which is amazing. Um
1: I wanna see if we can get a copy of that Steve Pops resume. Like I yeah. embellished the it, shit it, out of that. Thing. Is it like, framed? Like, somewhere? I scored four hundred goals in just nine <laughs> games last year playing. <laughs> not gonna look Cause cause there was no way there was no way to double check that back then. Yeah, there was no calling. hockey DB. They weren't calling team junior teams in Alberta to verify these yeah. stats were correct. <laughs> I want to see that's that's great. Like, but you mentioned how, like the Hawks would never get that that last piece, and that's kind of how they got Tony Amante because the Rangers needed to go out and get that last piece of their puzzle, at least who they thought they were. Because the Hawks got Amante. At the trade deadline in 1994, so Omani missed winning that cup by just a couple of months. But they gave up a young, up and coming player like Tony Amante, who wasn't getting the playing time that he probably should have on that team, to get Stefan Mateau and Brian Noonan. And when you look back on it, you say, Oh, yeah, the Hawks definitely got the better end of that deal. In the long run sure they did, but you got to remember man, Matt, Stefan Matto scored the most important goal of that Stanley Cup run that famous game Seven overtime goal against the Rangers to get them Moteau. to the Stanley Cup final Yeah, yeah it's so it's, it's <clears> iconic <throat> and and then he had another game-winning goal in the Stanley Cup final as well So you know the Rangers saw what they needed to put them over the top and gave the Hawks a money to get it where the Hawks never we're on the opposite end of that trade. They never were like, hey, we're away from winning a Stanley Cup. Let's
2: give up whoever to get him. Yeah, um, trying yeah, to remember was, if uh, was it was it I'm looking at my book here, the big 50, the and moments that made the Blackhawks. <laughs> I wrote <laughs> nice, it, but don't nice, remember any of it. Nice flex. <laughs> uh, thanks. <laughs> was it was it was it Amani and Keenan that didn't like each other? uh keenan didn't like
1: anybody that's a good Um, point he didn't (laughs) like well i'm sure that had something to do with it um you know keenan didn't like eddie olchek eddie olchek was a healthy scratch for majority of those playoffs um and of course eddie being eddie never would say a bad word about it um but it could be i could see how those two guys wouldn't get along um you know, the different, I mean, Keenan didn't really get along with Jeremy Roenick when he was here. And Jeremy Roenick and Antonio Mane were like clones of each other, two outspoken, you know, Massachusetts guys that, that were like young and brash and the modern player for that era. Um, so I could totally see Mike Keenan saying, get this clown out
2: of here, you know, trade him for whoever. <laughs> yeah. Hawks, I did not like from the era. Never a big Patrick Poulin guy. I
1: hated him because he was who we got for Steve Larmer.
2: So yeah. I, I was never—he was never going to
1: win me over. Steve Larmer was my all-time favorite Black Hawk, and we traded him to the Hartford Whalers for Patrick Poulin. So I, I, uh, my uh, <laughs> 14 year fourteen-year-old self was like, "Nope, this guy sucks. He's the reason Steve Larmer's not here," and he proved me right. He wasn't that great either. I, be- I believe Jay, you
0: were correct. It was uh, Mike Keenan uh, and Tony Amani who did not get uh, get along here. Because I just looked it up. <clears throat> uh, this, is, uh, <laughs> this is from the uh, the Cam and Strick podcast. Uh, Amani was on it, <clears throat> and he uh, told it a- recounted a tale about Mike Keenan, where he brought him into his office and showed him a whiteboard list with his name at the bottom. He asked Amani where he felt he should be, to which he pointed right under Messier and Graves. And he goes, I'm just just quoting Amani here. He goes, he he says, like, fuck no. (laughs) Sit the fuck down. (laughs) (laughs) You're just a rich prick from Boston. That set Amani off because his family didn't have two nickels to rub together. Bringing up his father was basically the last straw. He's the worst coach I ever played for, Amani said. He explained that it was Messier that did all the X's and O's, and all Keenan did would rip players apart. Then he relayed a story that I've never heard about Adam Graves, whom Keenan would dress down often. There was a fight. There was a fight in front. There was a fight in front of the of the bench, and Gravy beat the tar out of him. Probably threw 50 punches. Throws the guys down. Now he's standing in front of the bench, points his finger at Keenan and says, "You're fucking next." <laughs> and Keenan never messed with him again. <laughs>
1: That's so, amazing.
0: That's great. That's from Tony Amani on the uh, Cam and Strict podcast. Good for
1: Tony. That's, that's good stuff. Uh, there's <laughs> there's a, another great story about in Jeremy Roenick's book about how while Keenan was playing, I don't remember exactly how the exchange goes, but it, it basically starts that Jeremy Roenick was hit so hard on the ice that he pooped his pants and oh. <laughs> came back to the bench. Oh, man. And Keenan was like, what is going on here? I'd I have to. I'll, I've got Jr's book here somewhere. I'll, I'll look it up and we could read that for uh, you know a, a s- another slow day coming up here. But if, uh,
2: well, I got I actually com- th- I have another Keenan story. This is actually from Ronick's book. In my book, I just quoted it. <laughs> so, book exceptions, yes, exactly. It's Not my
1: show, but I'm on that show. <laughs> uh,
2: Dave Manson went after Mike Keenan one day. He's probably the last guy you want going after after yeah. you. Uh, So this is from Rona. Keenan had determined that Manson was responsible for everything wrong with the Blackhawks that night. Manson had his skates unlaced and his jersey off when Keenan began unloading on him with his verbal barrage. Manson snapped. He stood, yanked off his shoulder pads, and flung them across the locker room, just missing Keenan as he ducked out of the way. That was merely the first salvo of Manson's attack. As the pads were launched, Manson began running in his skates directly at Keenan. Keenan fled out the door with Manson on his tail. We all scurried to the door to witness the outcome. You can imagine how fucking comical it was to see Keenan sprinting down a hallway in the bowels of the Chicago Stadium with Manson in determined pursuit. As he chased Keenan, sparks were leaping off Manson's skates and the blades <laughs> scraped across the <laughs> cement. If Manson had lost his balance while trying to run on skates, he might have pummeled Keenan. Everybody, oh hated <laughs> like God,
1: Kenan. just yeah. the world and yet, class, and yet. <laughs> he just kept getting jobs, man. Kept getting jobs. Like, Isn't he coaching in Russia still? He was. I don't think he still
2: is, but he oh. was. Yeah. P- published Pudwack. Make that a shirt. Could you imagine is Dave the... <laughs> Manton chasing you through? Like, that's like a scene from Halloween. Like, yeah. did, did Mike Keenan <laughs> fall down? Then, like, his car wouldn't start as Dave Manton's <laughs> in, like, stalking pursuit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my god, That is the last dude. Maybe Okay, maybe Bob Probert would be the first. Another guy who was added in the 90s. And he was fun. I loved having Proby on the Hawks. That's the first jersey I bought with my own money, was a Bob Probert Hawks jersey. There you go. Well, um, investment.
1: I, th- I think we'd be doing us a disservice if we're going to talk about 90s players, and-, and along the lines of Alex Jamnoff, guys that never got the respect they fully deserve. We have to talk about Eric taze don't we? Yes. I mean, yeah. This, he, was...
0: He, was, he was one of my first favorites, and I just, I just wish I could have seen him actually play a lot more than he did
1: yeah uh, he was a guy that was like wrong era like if he mm-hmm. played today he'd be so much better uh if you if you head to allchgo.com, you can see my weekly history column uh up th- there we're coming up on the anniversary of when the blackhawks traded dominic hashic to the buffalo sabers in 1992 um and they got a third round pick in 1993 as part of that deal and that pick was Eric Daze. So they essentially traded Dominic Hasek for uh, Eric Daze. And yeah, that long term that, that uh, worked out pretty well for the Sabres, but it worked out pretty good for Daze. Um, Daze had 106 goals, 180 points and 307 games for the Hawks during the, uh, during the nineties. And he (sighs) dealt with degenerative back issues, not injuries. I mean, this was a guy that I think's body physically just couldn't do the – like, not his fault. These weren't, like, because he was taking too many hits on the ice. He he had a literally degenerative spinal issue that he dealt with. (laughs) And his biggest problem was he came on the scene when Eric Lindros was the best player in the league – Mm-hmm. And the guy everybody wanted, the big power forward, the guy that's huge, is going to go to the front of the net, punch his way to 50 goals mm-hmm. a year. And Eric Daze had the frame. He was big. Yep. But he was not an Eric Dazay. Uh, not not going to do player. that. No. He was not physical. You saw him, you saw he was six foot four big dude and you wanted him to be Eric Lindros and he was never going to be that player and that was a lot that's was a lot of the heat he took was a because of the injuries but again those injuries were not because of hockey things they were just um you know a bad back you know ask Dave Bolin what that's like it's not fun sometimes right. your body just won't allow you to do what you want to do and then having that Eric Lindros power forward frame but wanting to play more like Alexei uh, a lot of people just ripped into him because of that. And and I, I think as now we have 20 years of hindsight to look back on, I don't think we fully appreciated how good Eric Dazay actually was.
2: No, uh, 106 goals in 307 games, 180 points. Um, yeah, just not physical and kind of had like a, I don't know, a lot of people call him lurch. Kind of like he yeah, had like kind he was, of an, like an oafish kind of a look to him sometimes. It's a little awkward. Yeah.
1: He didn't have he didn't have much of a personality. Like he wasn't, you know, you could be a guy that you just watch him and then be like, yeah, I don't know if this guy really cares what he's doing out there, but that wasn't the case. It was just he didn't have that, that charisma that you had with other guys on that team. So, yeah, yeah. Eric was a very underrated Blackhawk.
2: There were a lot of them in that era, but for the most part, Not a lot of fun, and Greg and I watched, so you all didn't have to. You're welcome. (laughs) Um, We hope you enjoyed the episode. Before we wrap up, Mario's gonna tell you what you need. What
0: we all need, really. It is Owen, spelled O-W-Y-N, standing for only what you need. It is a 100% plant-based protein shake that gives you nutrition that works just as hard as you do. All of Owen's products are free of artificial ingredients. They are allergen-friendly. They don't contain any gluten or dairy and are easily digestible, therefore. You may have heard about Owen from Chicago Bears quarterback Justin Fields who follows a plant-based diet. Right now, Owen and CHGO are partnering up to give you an awesome offer. You can get 20% off of your first purchase at liveowen.com when you use the promo code CHGO20. So be like Justin Fields, leading the Bears to a, how many wins? What's their over under? Six and a half?
2: 17 and 0, my friend.
0: 17 and 0 with the power of Owen. Join Justin Fields. Get yourself some Owen, O W Y N, only what you need.
2: All right. That's going to do it for this week of shows on the CHGO Blackhawks podcast. What are we going to talk about next week? I don't know. Something's going to happen, probably.
0: Things Stuff will things. happen. Stuff. the The, the, the World Junior Yeah, the, the Summer World Junior Tournament
2: will be going on. That'll be fun. World
1: juniors Part 1.
2: We'll definitely be talking about that early in the week, so make sure you join us on the CHGO Blackhawks podcast. Uh, for my partners Mario and Greg, I'm Jay. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next time.